Mark 16, 66 through 72. For our response to this passage, I wanted to share a short meditation. We'll actually be looking at two readings ago, at Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus was praying and he was there in the garden with his disciples, what he said to them is, I have just one request. Will you stay awake with me and will you pray? In the Bible, this metaphor of sleep or wakefulness is an important metaphor throughout the entire story of Scripture. It's an important picture that the Bible uses to describe the level of our spiritual awareness and receptivity. To be awake is to be aware of God's reality and its implications for our lives. To be sleeping is to be unaware of these most important realities. Jesus, when he was spending time before these series of events that we read, before he spent time eating his last meal with them, he he was teaching them, and he was teaching them in parables, and he was explaining to them This time that is coming, the most important thing for you to know is you need to stay awake. He had repeated it in Matthew 24 and 25. But staying awake is not always easy. It's not always easy for us. I don't know for you. What are the hardest times for you to stay awake? And I don't want anybody to say, it's during your sermons, Pastor Eric. We're just not going to bring that up right now. But for me, it was in high school class. In my math class, there in the back, especially in the winter, and get my jacket, it's warm. I just had to fall asleep no matter what the teacher was saying. Or in college, in the library, good place to sleep, right? Anybody do that? Sometimes when you're on the long, monotonous drive on the highway, on the freeway, and you just see the same thing over and over, it's just hard to stay awake. The times when it's hardest for us to stay awake are when things are boring, very uninteresting or very monotonous for us. We just nod off (laughs) and fall asleep. Well, this story that we're in the middle of reading, the story of the suffering of Jesus, on the surface, we would never say, that's not interesting, that's a boring story. But for many of us, we're very familiar with that story. And so we kind of sleep through the reading of that story. Some of us may be, we're very new to that story, so it's very unfamiliar, it's very strange, and so we're not sure what's happening here. We struggle to stay awake and and see the impact. Well, on the flip side, sometimes we have a hard time falling asleep. We're just so anxious about something. Something big is happening. We have a big deadline, we have a big project, something big and exciting is happening in our lives, so when we, the times that we struggle To fall asleep are the times when something important or something exciting is very near to us. This story that we're we're reading, the story of the cross, is meant to bring Jesus. It's meant to bring the most important moments in Jesus' life very close and very near to us, like we're there. So there's a context here. After three years of following Jesus the story of these disciples of Jesus and his friends, they're hearing him teach. They have special access to Jesus. He's explaining to them in special ways, these are what my parables mean. Spending time with him, they're seeing him do all sorts of amazing things. The blind see, the lame walk. 
and even the dead are being brought back to life. So Jesus, throughout this time, is preparing his disciples at the most important thing that's going to happen, his mission, his high point of why he came. He tells them it's here, it's coming. He's eating his last meal with them, and he's making it very plain. This is the most important night of my life. Something big is going down. They eat their meal together. They go to the garden, and he tells them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. He's never said anything like this before to them. He's overwhelmed with sorrow and grief. He says, just remain here. Just stay with me. Stay awake and pray. And that's all he asks. Yet they fall asleep. He says it once. He says it twice. He says it three times. And every time, they can't stay awake. What can we learn from this? Many things, but I just want to point out two this evening. First, why we fall asleep, and second, how we wake up. This first shows us who can fall asleep, and the answer to who can fall asleep is anyone. These are Jesus' closest friends. These are the ones who have seen him do all that he's done up until this point. They know the most about him. They've been taught about God and his purposes. Those who say, I will never fall asleep, I will never deny you, are the ones who, in fact, were falling asleep. There are two main reasons, I think, that we see here in this passage of the Garden of Gethsemane. We fall asleep when we lose a sense of the reality and the gravity of our sin. The more we downsize, the more we shrink, the more we reduce the issue of sin in our lives, the more spiritually sleepy we become. And we say, how did they fall asleep? How in the world did this happen? If it was me, I wouldn't fall asleep. One of the main reasons that they fall asleep is you read the passage and you see that they're misunderstanding what's happening on this night. They thought there was a showdown coming, but this showdown was going to be Jesus versus all these enemies out there, the Romans, the Jewish leaders. Something big is going to happen between Jesus and them. But they failed to realize that Jesus was entering into a showdown between God and our sin. And he was praying. He was preparing to stand in the gap for them. So if we minimize, if we externalize our issues and our problems, and we always have that tendency that the issues out there, the issues with these people, those people, everything that's wrong with the world is just out there. We won't be moved by the garden. We won't be moved by the cross. It may be a story that inspires us a little. It might stir us just a little bit, but it's not the story of our freedom, of my freedom, of my redemption, of my salvation, of Jesus standing for me and saving me from my most significant and dangerous problem. One scholar says this about this evening that Jesus went through and the cross. He says, so catastrophic a remedy demands a catastrophic predicament. No one sleeps when they're in the middle of a catastrophe. The story then should awaken our sense that sin is a catastrophe in our lives. That's the first reason. We fall asleep when we lose a sense of the reality or the gravity of sin Similarly, we fall asleep when we lose a sense of the unswerving holiness of God. What did Jesus pray? 
He says, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And then he says, if this cannot pass, unless I drink it, your will be done. What is Jesus asking? He's asking, is there another way? Is there any possible way for us to do this? Is there any possible way for us to deal with the catastrophe of human sin? And the answer that he gets back is no. This is the only way. God's only perfectly obedient son must suffer and die for anyone to be saved because God cannot compromise his holiness and his justice. If he did, if there was a God, if the truth was God just forgives, we just say, I'm sorry, God just forgives, that is God's job, he's just the God who forgives. Why did Jesus need to die? Well, in truth, that story would in fact be very boring. God just forgives, that's the story. And it would be irrelevant in a world where sin and evil and injustice are real and they come at real cost, real pain, real alienation. Maybe you have been very wronged by someone at some point in your life, very wronged. And so they come and there's a moment to deal with this issue at hand and they say, I'm sorry. And you're glad that they said that, but at the same time you're thinking, but that's not enough. That's not enough. I've been hurt. There's a debt. There's a cost. And that's real. And it doesn't just go away. The garden shows us that God cannot be just and holy and just forgive our sin and the injustice and evil in the world. There is a cost, a debt, a price that must be dealt with. And Jesus is here in the garden preparing to take the cost upon himself. So those are two reasons why we fall asleep. Well, then how do we wake up? How does the story of the garden and the cross wake us up? If we fall asleep when we lose the sense of the reality and gravity of our sin and the sense of the unswerving holiness and justice of God, how do we wake up? Is the answer to pound the issue of sin? Is the answer to say God's unswerving holiness and to preach it in fire and brimstone? Those are important things for us to confront. There is a place for those things, but they are not the main way that the story of Jesus wakes us up. This is an imperfect analogy and illustration, but if you can imagine with me a married couple, and they are really struggling. They've been suffering through years of conflict. They're not doing well at all, but their wedding anniversary is approaching, and so the husband says, I have to do something. We need an awakening of love in this marriage. And so he goes out, he buys flowers and candy and presents and a card. And in the card, he takes out the card and he says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And he starts writing, here are the ways you have failed me. Here are all the things that you have done wrong. I have been keeping track of all these things. And he goes on and on. And so the card is like three, four, five pages long. And he presents this card to his wife. And he says, Only honesty will save us, my dear. Well, if you can imagine that picture, that probably won't lead to an awakening in that marriage and in that relationship. But if you can imagine the same scenario, but in the card he says, we are struggling. We're ready to throw in the towel sometimes, but I want to tell you right now, my wife, I love you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to fight for you. All the things that you have done to hurt me, I forgive you. Now that, that could lead to an awakening in that marriage. 
Good Friday is a very somber time. It's a very weighty time for us. A story, in a sense, where we get humanity at its worst. They're sleeping. They're denying. They're accusing. They're screaming for an execution of an innocent man. But it's a story of God's love at its best. Unstoppable. Sacrificial. Selfless love. In this story of Jesus suffering in our place, whether it's new to us or old, Jesus, he comes near to us. He wakes us up. As the letter to the Romans says, God demonstrates his own love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were weak and ungodly, it was the perfect time for God to demonstrate his love for us in the death of Christ. We see this love coming, <laughs> coming forth out of this story and out of this prayer when we see the content of what Jesus prayed. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and what we see happening in this garden was the undoing and the restoration of what was lost in the first garden, in the Garden of Eden. Since the Garden of Eden, Adam and everyone after him said, not Your will, but my will be done, God. And here Jesus, the only human being to ever consistently live and pray the prayer, not my will, but your will be done. Our prayer leads to our death and separation from God. Jesus' perfect prayer leads to his death and separation from God so we could be brought back. He prays about this cup. Let this cup pass from me. What is that cup? There are two cups in the Bible. There is this cup throughout the pages of Scripture, the cup of blessing, the cup of God's love, the cup of His covenant protection and faithfulness to us. And then there is the cup of God's justice and wrath, His passion against everything that stands against the purposes of His love. Jesus drinks the cup of wrath so that we might forever drink from the cup of blessing. He prayed the prayer we should have but couldn't. He drank the cup we deserved to wake us up to the redemptive, invincible love of God. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, the agony the sorrow that you faced unto death. Though your disciples fell asleep and left you by yourself, yet you continued to pray. And in that moment when you knew what you were facing, where it became more real to you than at any point in your ministry, you still, you still faced it. You still went there for us. I pray for us if we are sleepy. I pray for all of us if we're struggling to be awakened to your love, to your reality, to your desires and your will for our lives, that even this night, as we sit in the shadow of the cross, that you would awaken our hearts to your love. In Christ's name, amen.